Welcome to the Aswan Leadership Podcast. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the lead pastor of Follow Baptist Church. And today we have a return guest, Owen Prout. He good was, to be back. Yeah, he was part of our last podcast, and he was so good that we thought we'd have him back this time to talk about something a little bit different. And so Owen is from Youth Dimension. Um, the main stuff they do is welfare in schools, school programs to connect with kids. But the other thing they do is evangelism through beach missions that they call Blue Moose. Mm. Um, and so I think every good summer outreach has to have, you know, red frogs, blue moose, you know, rainbow unicorns, I don't know. Yeah, some weird... Colour and an animal. Yeah, seems to be the way to go. Where did blue moose come from? Oh, I think it was like a random thing in a staff meeting a few years ago. Someone just said it and we went, oh, okay, yeah, that'll that'll do. Blue moose, that'll do. Yeah, okay. So not a lot of theological reflection on that at all. Right, okay. Yep, fair enough. Well, Blue Moose it is. Um, just on a side note, I just noticed putting on my shirt this morning that this is a YD shirt. So, mm-hmm. used to mention is known as YD. So, that's right. I feel like I've got like, the, the uniform on. It'd be good if they were siphoning some of their profits to this YD, but. Maybe you should approach them and maybe suggest it. Some sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. Like some sort of funding model would mm. be really good. Always looking for more funding mm-hmm. for, for the ministry we do. So today we're going to talk about Blue Moose and um, evangelism, outreach, all those things. And so why don't you start by telling us what is Blue Moose? Blue Moose is, um, uh, it started out in the mid to late 70s actually as, uh, I don't even know what the first version of it was called, Drift In coffee shop um, and it, it came out of the whole drop-in centre type of vibe where groups of Christian young adults got together on a team, would go down to a normally a beach location somewhere, hire out a local hall and set it up with hessian and, and you know, like fish nets and, <laughs> and you'd have that damp hessian smell because the hessian had been stored all year and they'd have candles on the table, on these, um, you know... Card tables. Card tables, yeah, and and all that sort of stuff. And and just serve really cheap, you know, international roast coffee (laughs) and bad tea and cinnamon, what is it, cinnamon toast and Mm. Vegemite toast and all that. So it was just effectively just a drop-in centre for people to come in and normally young young people, teenagers and young adults would drop in and there'd be music playing and sometimes live bands and a testimony of uh, you know how, of how Christ had impacted a team member's life would be spoken from the front, um, and so that that method went through right through until you know probably mid about 2015 I think, and YD decided to you know we'll give it a rest at that point. Well, we've reopened it, and guess what? It's pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it works. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing now. Now, that's true and it's not true. We, beach locations are not so much a thing that we worry about now. Um, increased levels of partnership with the local church. So what used to happen, because why do exists to serve the local church? If that's our slogan, then really is it? You know, so these days we're like, well, yes, it is. And so this is what we do. So it used to be a bunch of, you know, young people would get together from different churches, go down, open a thing up, do their thing as I've described it for 10 nights, go home. And you'd go and visit and play a few songs in the local church on a Sunday and that was about it. It's a bit more intentional these days. So it's engaging with the local churches of a particular area saying, hey, look, we want to do this because there's mutual benefit, we think. Mm. The benefit is, you know, we're running a drop-in centre for young people in your location. Um, 
And the benefit for the, the church at large is that we're giving young people a mission experience on their home soil mm. where they have to engage with, with people and speak out their faith. So that, that aspect of it is, is pretty much similar. Mm. Um, so we're not talking about uh, just an incarnational model of mission here. We do that in other aspects of Youth Dimensions life, but this model is very much incorporates a bit of proclamation in there. Yeah. So here's the message um, of, of the cross. In some way that's going to come out on the tables as we train young people to share that message with people as they come into this drop-in centre or up front in a testimony. Mm. Yep. I was part of coffee shop missions when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, sort of teen, young adult, and we used to go to Locksport, so mm-hmm. um, a town with the most mozzies in the whole world, just mozzies everywhere. Yeah. Um, but it was just, for me, so formative, those trips, yeah. you know, yep. because of all the things you've just described. And I can remember the Hessian, I can remember the card tables with the candles melting the tables, yep. And, yep. and I can remember the cinnamon toast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poor man's donut, as we call it now. Absolutely, yep. yeah, the international roast, which is was the official coffee of the church back then. Yes. Um, before we discovered real coffee, all those things, and um, and I just remember a couple of weeks of not much sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you run programs during the day in the community, games and stuff for mainly families on holidays and some of the locals as well. And then you do this drop-in thing at night, and it was formative in the sense that it did give opportunity to to give your testimony and everyone did it. So if it was your night, you'd get up and you'd tell your testimony Mm. um, and you'd sort of appeal to the people there. People would use their skills and play some songs. There was a prayer room going the whole time. Mm -hmm. So you'd sort of rotate shifts in the prayer room and you're praying into the ministry and there's this real sense of we're in this together mm. and and we're believing God to do something in the lives of these kids mm. and, and I've actually got to play an active part in it. Mm-hmm. And very formative in my faith and, and I think, like you said, it, it helps churches because we're often not that great at helping our kids to evangelize. Mm. Um, a lot of it is just kind of relational evangelism these days, but it's a legitimate opportunity to get out of your comfort zone and to you know give a testimony about what Jesus has done in your life. Mm. And yeah, just incredible trips. I remember um, we'd have the house we stayed in. This lovely couple in Locksport would rent, you know, let us use their house, and they had this back porch undercover and this really long table, and we'd all sit there and have dinner together, and you know there'd be laughter and stuff, and and then we'd have a string attached there, and then there'd be a paper bag with everyone's name on it, mm-hmm. and you'd put warm fuzzies in there, so mm-hmm. you'd be encouraging the team members, and and all these sorts of things were just you never forget times like that, mm-hmm. and and it shaped you deeply as a Christian mm-hmm. and gets you out of your comfort zone. So I'm really excited that starting up again um, in whatever form. Mm. And I'm really hoping some of the young, you know, the youth and young adults from Follow get really involved mm. uh, in Blue Moose moving forward. So it's just interesting what you were saying a moment ago, because the old model was, you know, the only time I've ever been to Locksport was for Beach Mission, for mm-hmm. Coffee Shop Mission. Um, we're an officer now. And so if there's not a Blue Moose having an officer, what do we do? Do we just connect to the closest one or what would we do there? So in order to get involved, um, really it's about engaging. It, it, it's it's a bit kind of organic actually with these things. I think you, you'd know that from if my son's done Scripture Union, Beach Mission and Theo's um, and he was invited by a friend, um, one of the leaders on that. So lots of the time these things grow because of, of those reasons. Mm. Um, what we're finding at the moment is that we're, we're relaunching Blue Moose. So there's not a lot of that organic stuff going on. 
And what we're trying to say is, okay, say to a church like Follow or a church that hasn't been involved with with Beach Mission or Coffee Shop or Blue Moose for a while, we need two or three brave souls to put their hand up and say, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to go. Mm-hmm. Go and do the training. So you get on our website, you have a look, okay, you'll find out this year we're, we've got King Lake, uh, Port Arlington, Ocean Grove, St Arnold, and Hillsville. So those are our five locations that we're running this year. Yep. And you look at it and you go, all right, Lord, I've got no idea. Okay, Hillsville, we'll pray about it. Yep, this will be the one I'm going to I'm going to request to go. Mm. So that's where it's at at the moment. Now you may know someone in your circle. Young people have quite, you know, wide circles, particularly with social media these days. Uh, Sindel Baptist jumped on board pretty quickly when we relaunched last year so there's a fair few single young adults already involved um, there'll be other churches now that will start to grab on board particularly down the the Bellarine a couple of churches down there um, have jumped right on board as well so it's growing and it's gaining momentum and I think it's partly because it's a little bit different to other mission experiences you get on your home soil Yep. Yeah. So would you encourage um, any local church who's thinking about doing it, and just say you've got three or half a dozen kids that go, yeah, I want to be involved, would you encourage them to all go to the same trip and serve together there, or would you encourage them to sort of spread out and go to different places? Normally I'd say spread out, um, but I think as we're relaunching, um, and now when I say spread out, if you had half a dozen, I'd say maybe half of them go on this one and half go on a different one. Yep. I wouldn't say one on each. You know, I think that's a bit rough. But I don't mind them clumping together, young people. I think that's part of it. They want to be together. Mm. Um, And so if, if, you know, a church like Follow or someone else was listening to this and thinking, oh, they're going to just put my name in a hat and pull it out. No, you've got control over your own destiny here. So if you think, you know, you've got a couple of mates here, um, you're really looking for a mission experience over the new year, um, then it would be... Yeah, we'd like to go and we'd, we'd really like to go to Port Arlington together. Yeah. Okay. We're going to say yes to anything at the moment because I think it's important for young people to feel, you know, that they're, they're going to be stretched in in this experience. We don't need to make it hard for them, Yeah, you know, yep. as, as they're entering into that space. So, yeah, that's yeah. good. Uh, in recent years, I've been involved with Red Frogs and um, we've gone to Phillip Island and been part of the team there and a number of people from Follow have done that. Mm-hmm. And um, for those who don't know what Red Frogs is, it's basically in schoolies week, um, a bunch of Christian volunteers from different churches come together and go to different locations. Um, I think it started on the Gold Coast. It's now in, I think, Fiji and other places, but a lot in Australia. And mm-hmm. basically those party kind of areas where kids go for schoolies and and get pretty wild. And so the idea of Red Frogs is to go there and you're kind of street chaplains where you're not so much proclamation, but just you hand out Red Frogs, you hand out bottles of water, you have a medical tent for people that get in trouble, you bus people home, like Mm -hmm. if they've drunk too much and it's not safe for them to get home, you chuck them on buses and get them home. You might walk home young girls to make sure that, you know, when they're vulnerable that they're not getting taken advantage of, that sort of thing. And so it's a very much just be in the midst of it, be a friendly face, be a support. Um, but when we've done it um, at, at Phillip Island, all the people from Follow have generally gone to the Phillip Island and mm-hmm. and the same crew's been there for a number of years. And, mm-hmm. and we've found that helpful because mm-hmm. it's such an intense time mm-hmm. that when you're with people that, you know, a, a fair percentage of them have done it before and you've been together, you get to know each other and you mm-hmm. work together well. So mm-hmm. I can see the benefit of clumping together a bit yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I think so. And what, what ends up happening is that you get this um, 
this supercharged moment in your faith mm. because you're putting everything on the line. So you think about Red Frogs. Um, we've got a couple of our staff actually are going to do Red Frogs this year mm. because it's such a, a valuable mission and ministry. And it's different in style to what we do at Blue Moose, and this is why it's so complimentary. But you go away on something like Red Frogs or SU's Beach Mission or you you know, you know do a, a leading a camp with SU over summer or whatever you do that you're stepping out of your comfort zone, you bring that back to your church. Mm. And if you can do that with a few others, you know, what a supercharged moment for a youth ministry mm. to have that in its kit bag as you head into the new year. Yep. And this is what we this is what we hear back from particularly from lead pastors actually. They get really excited about this because you can't manufacture excitement. It just has to happen. Mm. Um, but what you can do is you can make places available to young people to to supercharge their faith. Yep. And that's what this is. Yeah, and I think a lot of youth groups struggle to get the youth kids to think outside of just their friends at youth group. You know, mm. the idea of other people coming in mm-hmm. is kind of a foreign, uncomfortable concept. Mm. And so when you put them in a situation like that and they see God move and they're part of actually reaching out to kids who aren't in the youth group, mm-hmm. When they come back, it does, it translates and it um, transforms the culture in your mm. youth. So I'm really excited about that it follow in the years to come, mm. that, that we'll send kids out to have this formative experience and they sort of catch the fire of it and go, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. why can't we do this in our area, in our youth group? Yep. Um, so yeah, I think the fruit of it will be significant in time to come. I agree. Mm. So Blue Moose, Red Frogs, different organisations, different styles. What are the main differences between those two, do you think? Uh, I think, as you've described, uh, Red Frogs is a it's a service based mission. Now the people are trained up; they know the gospel, so it's not like it's not in their kit bag. But it's not that that's not your leading hand. So you're you're not going to a kid who's stooped over the gutter, doesn't know where they are, needs to get home. Their parents back in you know they might be in lawn and their parents and packing them, mm-hmm. wondering what's going on, feeling a lot better that they know there's some supervision there. Mm-hmm. So you, you're you're serving the community in this incredible way, and then by just by the spirit, people then find out who are these people, mm-hmm. and it's it's just a great it's just a great advertisement for the church mm. to put it crudely you know i don't like thinking of things in in terms of sales and ads it's not like that at all but it's you know what i'm saying yep it's a great example that Christians can show. Serving. Yep. I think the follow-up with Red Frogs is that you do the night program where they might be not able to compromise you there because they're too drunk or whatever, mm-hmm. but you they can actually book for a breakfast yes. the next day, a pancake breakfast. And yep. so that's often the place where you're going into the place they've rented, you're helping clean up, you know, you're mm-hmm. dealing with all the mess, but you're serving them breakfast, mm-hmm. and that's often where the conversations yeah. go And the relational deeper. stuff and yeah. the deep stuff. and. And gospel opportunities are taken when that's appropriate. Mm. Um, what we're doing in our re- relaunch with Blue Moose is that we're saying there is still a place for us to be actively looking for opportunities to share our faith. So um, Blue Moose, again, it's mainly a drop-in centre, but there's different styles, you know, like you mentioned before, afternoon programs, Um it could be anything, sports-based, um, even depending on who your, your crowd is. Sometimes you have primary age kids, so you put on a kids program. Whatever suits the location you're in. Yep. But the night program will have specifically dedicated times for the gospel to be shared. So you'll have some, some music and 
uh, might be that we put on a film. We, you know, we've been putting on, um, you know, some some media that that speaks the gospel. Uh, for those who are equipped and ready, testimonies. But we don't. A little bit different to yours and my day. We we would say everyone have your testimony prepared. Um, we would like you to do it up front if you feel comfortable with that. But there's so many reasons why people can and can't do those things. So we don't. There's no pressure on that. Yep. Um, but if you feel like that's something you'd like to stretch yourself in, we'd love you to do it mm. because there's nothing like a personal story from another 16, 17-year-old speaking to 16, 17-year-olds all of a sudden. What? There's something going on there. And they're talking about this. This is embarrassing but kind of powerful at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. So we haven't let go of those things, but we manage those in a different way now. Yeah. Um, but our training is very much how how do I what what is the gospel? How do I break this down in a way that I can share it? Mm. And we've got three different ways that we teach that now. We used to have the just the four Ps, but these days we've got three different models that we use depending on how much experience you've had uh, and preparing your story. Yep. So you know, we would in church world we call it testimony. Uh, we just say this is your story and. Um, and away you go. So we, we give you some significant preparation in those two things, mm. but also some other things. You know, obviously we've got child safe and we've got how to handle different things and not like yours and my day, OH&S is important now. And <laughs> What was that back then? Yes. <laughs> so I remember some wild things happening at <laughs> yes. coffee shop that just would not pass the test no, of time anymore. No, they don't. And that's okay. We have, you know, it's still fun and crazy and whatever and very little sleep and all, and all the good things that make it kind of emotional and crazy and fun. Yep. But, but at the heart of it is this opportunity. What we're, what we're saying to young people is, yes, relational evangelism is probably the thing you're going to use the most in mm. your life. So knowing your stuff, having a great relationship with Christ. But what we're saying is, you know, there is a place for you to say, you know what, I'm going to step out and I'm going to say it. Mm. And there's something happens in that space that, that doesn't happen elsewhere. Yep. So for some and of you, that's like, <clears throat> yeah, it's great. And it does prepare you for everyday life, doesn't it? When mm-hmm. you're then talking to your next door neighbour or a friend at school or whatever, you've had some experience in sharing your story and yeah. how that flowed and what yep. worked and all that. So maybe we don't do enough training in that actual evangelism for young people. Mm. And I think it, yeah, it is a real good, it's a good stretch. And yes, we all had to do it when we were at coffee shop and, mm. and some people felt more comfortable than others. But every single night was powerful in its own way. Mm-hmm. Whether you grew up in a Christian home or whether you'd you know, been rescued off the street or whatever, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Every story's um, powerful because your story, even if it is I grew up in a Christian home and I became a Christian, that'll speak to a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. If you you know had this radical conversion experience, that'll speak to another group of people mm-hmm. and, and they're all really powerful. So, yeah, I think that's great. So mm-hmm. you've just touched on a few words, you know, fun and crazy were a couple mm-hmm. I heard you just say. Mm-hmm. But if you could just break it down into some words, what are some descriptive words you would use to help people get a bit of a mental picture of what a bloomer's trip's actually like? Mm-hmm. Oh, gee, that's hard to do in single words, isn't it? I, I think, um, I think fun is a really important word. Connection. Um, so you've got your. It, it's like. Uh, you know, we watch, there's a whole lot of reality TV shows on now. And, and one thing that you do notice is that when people get clumped together for an extended period of time, they connect really deeply, really quickly. Mm. That's what it's like yep. on a mission type thing, whether you do blue um, red frogs or a blue moose or an SU thing or whatever it might be. You go and you're doing something that's got the same purpose 
you're all on the same page. There's no need to sort of debate the ins and outs of this, that and the other and does this fit policy and blah, blah, blah. You just know what you're there for and you do it. Yep. And it's just, it's crazy fun. Like it's really, and, and really connected. And so I guess the word deep would come into it. So sharing life with people 24 hours a day for 12 to 14 days, mm. there's a depth to it that happens. So spiritual development, growth, uh, friendship, um, uh, the what's the word I'm after where people connect ne- networking yeah so this a, a great networking happens between and this is what I love about it between kids from different types of churches mm. so on any particular team you're going to have someone from you know the Anglican it might be two or three from the Anglican church and the Pentecostals over here and follow Baptist kids are over here and and they're all banged together with this same purpose and so they they get that it's about the gospel, mm. so that's really good. Yep. And then there's the networking that happens. And so quite often, you know, two or three or four weeks after they get back, you know, night services from different churches are all empty. Oh, they're all over at that one, or they're all over at that one. And <laughs> it's kind right. of not good, and it is good, you know. It's, sure. But it's it's them feeling like they're part of something that isn't just me and my family. Mm. This this kingdom of God stuff is real. So yep. they're not single words. Sorry, I, I, I go off on you know. No, that's when you good. ask me these things, but yeah, description. I think I've even known of some marriages that have happened as a result of well, there's yeah. <laughs> together. So there's a lot of fellowship happening there. So that was it's a very special fellowship yeah, going on. Yeah, absolutely that's right. Yeah, I think for me when I think of those trips, yeah, are fun and crazy and memorable. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you run an event at a church and you sort of forget a few weeks later you even ran it, but mm. you'll never forget coffee shop blue moose missions mm. um i think formative i think stretching mm-hmm. these sort of words for me yeah it's just really significant i can remember as much as like i was i don't know how old i was maybe 17 or something and i remember the the band live came out mm-hmm. and i had i love live and mm-hmm. so i remember sitting on the pier down at, at um where we were and playing live songs during the day and i had my live t-shirt on and my long hair and mm-hmm. and i can sort of even take myself back into what the culture was like, you know, and all my friends are into Pearl Jam and all that sort of stuff. And so, um, you know, it's just a moment in time. Yeah, that's it. That captures a moment. It does. It's significant. Yeah. And it takes you back and you can actually not just remember it, but feel it again. Yeah. The the exhilaration of standing up in front of a a dark, cold hall, Mm -hmm. (laughs) having cinnamon toast, Mm -hmm. but to share the gospel, like the exhilaration Mm -hmm. of that, the, the unity that comes, you know, that liminal space where it's mm-hmm. a bit uncomfortable and you stretch, mm-hmm. but you're in it together. So that yep. sense of community goes deeper. And there's a bond with those people that is stronger than a bond of even some of the people you do day-to-day life with mm. because you've been part of a mission together. So, yeah. It's yeah. absolutely true. And I, I like what you say in terms of that that liminal space as well and that, that we're really we're forced into doing this thing together and it's because – People have asked me, well, why are you bringing it back? You know, isn't that a bit old school? Mm. Isn't that model sort of gone? And I I wasn't around YD when the decision was made to bring it back, I, but I was pumped. Mm. That's probably part of the reason I sensed God calling me back into this is because yep. I thought, yeah, you know what, what we're getting, we're, we're coming back as a church from this place where we've said that doesn't work and that doesn't work and that doesn't work. What we're saying is actually... It's a bit horses for courses. Mm. We don't have to throw things out. We might have to reimagine them yep. and redevelop them. And, and But you know what? A drop-in centre 
is effectively is a cafe. If cafes ever gone out of fashion, they've been mm-hmm. around since I don't know when. Yep. You know, people have had eating houses for hundreds of years. Yep. So people go out and they socialise somewhere. Mm. And all around we're doing, food. yeah, around food. Yep. Yeah, it might not be the best food of all time. Some Even Jesus did it, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so we're not talking about something that is... Now, now what they would what they challenged me on and others on is that okay, but this whole proclamation getting up and isn't it a bit weird getting up and doing it that way? Um, and I would say, yeah, but it was always a bit weird. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it was always a bit weird, and so is that is that a good enough reason not to do it mm. and to provide that option? If all our missions look the same, well, what's that about? Yeah. You know, it's like all of people tend to worry about denominations. I don't. Mm. What's the big deal? We're all yeah. different. And if we all have a... If we're happy to clump together in, in places in that location and we have a similar type of understanding of things, that works. Yep. And if this mob down here want to do it a bit differently, that's actually good. Mm. Because like you were saying before, then that my story is going to appeal to that group of people. And vice, you know, so so I guess what I'm trying to say is it's a little bit of a hobby horse of mine. Is well, let's let's be careful before we throw out methodology. Mm, yeah. I think we just should review methodology. Yeah, for sure. But let's not let's not say that that youth ministry has had its day. Mm. Let's go. Let's let's be a little bit more thoughtful about things. Mm. And, and I yeah. think that style of evangelism is, has basically been discounted by the church. And there's some mm. people that actually are really gifted in that style of evangelism. That's right. Yeah. And we're not creating space for them to express that gift. Mm. And, you know, like some people, um, you know, I think most Christians aren't necessarily gifted to go out on a soapbox on the street. Mm-hmm. And if we did, we'd probably say the wrong thing or we'd look foolish or someone would ask us about dinosaurs and we'd go, I don't know what to say. Yep. Um, but there's other people, you know, you look at someone like a Ray Comfort, for example, and he's just so winsome. and He's got a real gift to be able to communicate the gospel, respond in real time when people throw questions at him mm-hmm. and, you know, turn it around to questions to them. And, um, you know, we want to find those, you know, mm. Christ has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. We need to find those people in our churches because that passage in Ephesians says if all those things are functioning, mm-hmm. we come to complete unity, we come to maturity in the faith, we experience the fullness of Christ. And so I think we're creating space for that mm. style of evangelism, which by and large is not, not encouraged or, no. or exercised that much anymore. So Yeah, and look, I think mainly for good reason. Mm. Like, I'm yep. not saying, I'm not on the bandwagon that we have to go back to the 50s. No. I'm not saying that at all. Yep. But I'm just, I'm agreeing with what you're saying in that if there are people that have got this particular gift that, you know, I, you, you and I probably know quite a lot of gifted communicators who are not great relationally. Mm-hmm. Does that mean we just should should discount them? No, of course not. Of course we're going to find a space for them, particularly if they're evangelist type of people. And and sometimes the pure evangelists in the church have almost been renegades. They've been mm. they sort of don't fit, and I think that's weird. I think yep. that we should all fit. Mm. And so this is this is just part of that. But yeah, look, I'm not advocating that we go back to the the proclamation era as as we see it in our mind's eye. Yep. All I'm saying is that proclamation is still alive and well and should mm-hmm. be contextualized in in you know and, and thoughtfully worked through, mm. but it's not dead. Yeah, absolutely. And even the way you proclaim the good news now is probably going to be contextualized and changed mm-hmm. to you know, in Christendom, mm. most people grew up going to Sunday school. Mm. Most people had a 
you know, a loosely based Christian worldview. Most people respected the local pastor, the role of the church, all that. Well, we're not in Kansas anymore. Those things have changed. Mm -hmm. People are very skeptical of the church. Mm. They don't grow up going to Sunday school. They have no exposure to the gospel, a lot of people, and they're they're generally not interested. Mm. And their worldview, there's there's as many worldviews as there is, you know, sand on the seashore. So Mm -hmm. um, there's no one dominant worldview anymore. So I think when you're proclaiming the gospel, we may have started at the story of Jesus, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. um, and what it means to be saved. But we might have to come back further and actually build up that story so that people are kind of catching up in real time. And Mm -hmm. so I think, yeah, I think proclamation is still alive and well, but Mm. the way we proclaim is a little bit different different. to what it used to be. And and some Christian evangelists haven't made the shift. And so they're very critical of anyone who's not on a soapbox turn or burn, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And it's That's what it, we should be doing. And you can feel it, can't you? As you watch it, you're like, oh, this is this is not working culturally. Yeah. And I don't want to have anything to do with that. Mm. And I'm a Christian and I yep. believe in the message you're saying. Yeah. But I'm cringing here. This is weird. Yeah. You know, so you know it's... You can feel it, but you can also see it when people yeah. are yelling stuff out at them and throwing <laughs> apples and stuff, you know, like it's pretty full on. Is this having an impact mm. that you think mm. it is? And you're seeing yourself as being faithful but you're actually not contextualizing and go, what's the most appropriate way to reach these people? Mm-hmm. And it may or may not be being on a soapbox. There might be some settings. And I think in a, a blue moose setting that, that giving your testimony at night, I still think it's a great thing mm-hmm. to do. And, mm-hmm. and whether you're a gifted evangelist or not, it's a good way to stretch yourself a little. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think don't throw the baby out with the bath water. No, no. Um, and that's, I love that about blue moose that it's mm. unique in that, in that regard. So, you know, just talking about that conversation, I think we're all called to the work of evangelism. If you put your faith mm. in Christ, we all have a responsibility to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope we have. So mm-hmm. the work of evangelism, but not all of us have the gift of evangelism, which mm-hmm. is different. How would you describe the difference between those two things? Uh, when you ask me that question, I have uh, an image in, in my mind of a certain person that um, that I w- was part of my congregation when I was at St. Luke's in Cockatoo. Mm-hmm. And we were a very much like follow, very much in the community and doing things. You know, we ran the carols event. We ran schools, after school program for Jembrook and Cockatoo um, with scores of kids had come to those programs. And, and one night we decided, you know what, we're going to put on a a Saturday night event at Jembrook Primary School. Mm. And in that event, um, it actually, in partnership with with the principal, um, he made it a fundraiser for one of the teachers who was going through cancer. So it was a, mm. so some live bands, local live bands came along. Um, but it was also unapologetically an event to explain to the town what we're about because we were doing a church plant at mm. Jembrook at the time. Yep. And so I was able to get up and say, this is who we are, we're followers of Jesus, and this is what we're doing, you know. Um, but then there's this one person, uh, and, and she pulled me aside after the event. She was from, from the church, mm. and she said, I could never do what you did. And she said, I'm not ashamed of that, you know, but I, this, that is not me. I'm not, a, I'm not the person to get up there and say that. But she said, as I'm turning the sausages for the barbecue, I was part of evangelism. Mm. And I thought, that's it. I get emotional thinking about it. Yeah, it's powerful. Because that's that's the stuff. And that's so we're gifted as a church to do evangelism. Mm. It's part of the deal, you know. So we've got a role to play. Um, and some of us will do the the upfront thing or the speaking thing. And some of us will turn sausages, and that's okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I often think of that with my um, 
with my dad. Like, yeah. um, I think when Christians think of evangelism, I think two words come to mind. Billy Graham. Yeah. And we go, well, that's the evangelist standing yeah. in front of hundreds of thousands of people and a powerful gift of communication and mm-hmm. people flock to the altar and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's people's mindset of evangelism, but it's a very limited version of evangelism. Mm. So my dad's an evangelist. Mm-hmm. He'll never stand up the front and give a gospel talk because um, he's just not confident doing that. He's mm-hmm. not necessarily gifted in that way. But working with him on a building site, the ability he had to build relationship with people and in the end explain the gospel to them was really quite profound. And it was a mm. gift of evangelism mm-hmm. working in a space where the proclamation wouldn't work. Yes. If I stand up on the building site and, hey, lunchtime guys, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. Push you off the roof. I'd probably shoot me with a nail gun, you know. So, <laughs> But he had a real ability to be an evangelist in that space. Mm. And I think it's acknowledging those different giftedness within evangelism, mm-hmm. that we all have a role of evangelism, yep. but some people have a unique gift. And so mm-hmm. I remember we'd go into the timber yard and we drive in there and there was a really loud guy called called Vince mm-hmm. and everyone knew him, everyone could hear him everywhere he went and he was, you know, very far from kind of being a Christian in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of colourful language and what you, I guess, expect from a lot of typical tradesmen. Um, but when we used to drive in, he would call my dad God mm-hmm. and he'd call me Sog, son of God. So he'd be like, hey, everyone, God's here and his son, son of God's here. And, and he'd, he'd really mock us and a lot of Christians would get really offended and, you know, that's, that's blasphemy and whatever. But we, we actually took it as a, a compliment that, mm. that he saw us as Christians. And when he went through a difficult time in life, the first person he asked to pray for him was us. Mm. And mm. I largely put that down to my dad mm-hmm. and the way that he was just a genuine Christian. He was a great witness on the building site. And he took opportunities to share about his faith and invite people to church events. And mm-hmm. he's not a Billy Graham, mm-hmm. but he's an evangelist. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah, acknowledging the difference is, is really important. Critical. And, and whether you're Billy Graham or like my dad it doesn't matter everyone has a, a role to play in evangelism and, absolutely and so we shouldn't just sort of outsource that to the evangelists mm-hmm. we should all be willing and ready to give an answer so so i think that's really good so uh, in terms of evangelism and, and blue moose you know proclamation all of that um, is really important what role does prayer and i guess the the leading and prompting of the holy spirit play in the task of evangelism and, and also uniquely at blue moose mm. Um, like you touched on before, one of my, as a young man, one of the first times that I really experienced the presence of God was in the prayer room. Mm. So, at you know, when, when you're running a blue moose, it's quite structured and some people kind of rail against this sort of thing. Oh, you know, so there's you'll be on a roster. You have a prayer partner. And you're on a roster. You'll be in the kitchen making the international roast coffees, you know, once or twice a night. And once or twice a night, you'll be rostered into the prayer room with another pair. Mm. So there'll be four, invariably four people in the prayer room at any particular time whilst the business of of coffee shop and blue moose is going on mm. in the hall. Uh as an inexperienced Christian and someone who, and and a really, I mean, sport was my God, really, when I was growing up. So I was quite active and running around. So sitting for half an hour and praying was just almost foreign to me, even as a Christian kid, you yeah. know. Um, some of the most profound moments of my life happened in that in those years in the prayer room, and it taught me about prayer, mm. and it taught me that nothing happens without it. So nothing good happened in our in our mission without being undergirded by prayer. And it wasn't just the prayer that was happening during 
we'd have our Bible study in the morning and then we'd pray as a group together mm-hmm. significant for a significant amount of time. And then you'd go into your prayer partner and you'd have some one-on-one time and pray. Mm. Um, I learnt as I was as I got older that there was well, what the pattern was less muck around, more pray. As I got a bit older, yeah. probably when I was seventeen or eighteen, there's a lot of laughs. And then the leader would say, "Oh, we're about to close off this prayer time," and then you'd put your head down and go, "Amen," you know. And, but you gr- you grow mm. and you're exposed to it, and you you quickly learn that it's it's everything. Mm-hmm. Mid-year, we actually ran a, a team at Bort and went up there and we we all... It's quite amazing to think in these COVID times, we were able to run Blue Moose last year. We ran it mid-year this year mm. and we're going to be able to run it again. So we've wow. we've dodged, dodged through <laughs> lockdown somehow. So yeah. thank you, Lord. But we took a team up to Bort and I'll never forget it, actually, a, a young man from here, a guy called Noah. Mm-hmm. We're... we're we're about to pray, and we're asking for prayer points from the team. The place is dead. We're talking about middle of winter. It's cold. There's no one around at all. We, we, Because of COVID, we hadn't had any lead up at all to be able to advertise we were even coming. Mm. So the best that kind of got out there was through the church and their efforts to try and tell people that was going on, and Facebook, which is very helpful. Mm. Um, and I just distinctly remember we'd st- we we pr- we stopped and asked for prayer points, and Noah said, "We've got to pray for people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where are they going to come important. from? <laughs> you know, we, we're doing a mission. There's not much point if no one comes." Yep. We fling the doors open after that prayer time, and within five minutes, twenty-five kids came in. Yeah, wow. And I could see it in him, and I could feel it in me. Yep. Oh yeah. You know, the Lord's in this. This is undergirded by prayer. This is what this is about. And so it's great. I I love it as even as a more mature Christian now, going back to those spaces Mm. and where you are absolutely dependent that the Lord's going to do something. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Before you were talking about some of the pushback about things that are outdated, but what never is outdated is prayer, evangelism, outreach, community, um, unity, all those sorts of things. And I think Mm. you find those in a Blue Moose trip. So it's... Mm getting back to the ancient but ever-relevant practices of, of Christianity. And yeah. so I think that's really, really cool. And I think, you know, the prompting of the Holy Spirit is really important, isn't it? As mm-hmm. we pray, we connect with God. And then as we have conversations, we're not just blurting stuff out. Because yeah. Yeah. Um, you can get yourself in a lot of bother and you can turn people off really quickly. Mm. And so you're learning to not just listen to God, but also what we don't do very well as Christians sometimes is listen to people mm-hmm. and you're hearing their story. And then you're actually, with the help of the Holy Spirit, responding to the things they're sharing. And mm-hmm. and they can be those really powerful moments. And I'm sure you can think of those moments where you, your heart starts to beat and they might ask you a question, think, good mm. grief, I don't know what to say oh, here. Yeah. And then you say something and you go, that is far too smart for me. Mm. Like that's the Holy Spirit speaking through mm. me. And as we put the word in and as we you know listen to people, God brings those things out in those moments, which mm. is really, really cool. Yep. So obviously years of um, coffee shop, blue moose, drift in, whatever has mm-hmm. been called over the years. Can you think of a, a powerful story or impact? I mean, you shared a couple already, but mm-hmm. um, from the blue moose programs you've been involved in? Yeah. Um, I think I'm, you know, the last time I did it, obviously I had mid, mid-year. The last time I went on a blue moose was probably early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, used to run Y River, down at Y River with the big tent. Uh, some very powerful moments in, in that, but I'm, I'm suffering from the recency effect and it's probably my age because I, I actually think of, I mean, there was that moment when the, the prayer was answered, but we had another moment where uh, a young lady 
she would have been probably 12 or 13, came in night after night. Mm. And different team members had spoken to her. She'd seen some f- the films, the Total Truth series that Wada has put together and touches on the gospel and, well, doesn't touch on it, tells the gospel story in a pretty relevant sort of way. She'd watched those and by the th- third or fourth night you could just tell that something was happening at a heart level for mm. her. And one of our team members, Tessa, uh, was sitting with her and she said, oh, do you guys have a Bible? Mm. And so she just asked for a Bible. Pretty obvious sign that God's doing something. Mm. And and we had been, in our training, it's funny you touch on it because sometimes you feel when you're the trainer and you're, you're equipping a young person with the brand new shiny tool of sharing the gospel, it's like you've loaded a gun. <laughs> <laughs> How are they going to use it? <laughs> so you think, and so part of our training is, guys, please listen to the other person. Mm. Only pull this out when you feel led by the Spirit. This is not necessarily the first thing that when you sit down on a table with someone, you say, right, did you know that God loves you? And away you go. That's going to be pretty weird. So we'd done all that training. We got them all prepared. And and really they were, I'd say the team were relaxing into how they were, were sharing their faith. And and Tessa has quite a bit of experience, so she'd just been listening to this girl, and then she asks for a Bible, and then that was the big door opener, mm. you know. And Tessa was able to ask her some questions, and then lead her into. Now, how would you describe? We would say traditionally a relationship with Christ. Um, yeah, I, I think that's happened, mm. you know. So, as an observer, at some level, mm. um, needing a lot of discipleship and a lot of journey to go. But the, the fascinating thing about this young lady, she, her, her parents owned the pub in town, so she didn't get a lot of sleep. So she was sort of up until two most nights and a lot of noise and a lot of confusion about life and all sorts of things. The parents were good parents. They're not, they weren't abusive and they're not a horrible people or anything. But the lifestyle was pretty challenging for a young person. Yep. And she's exposed to a lot of things, you know. But she really resonated with the gospel mm. and she took it on board. And I'll never forget Tessa telling us, and actually my daughter Hannah was on this walk. They walked them back to the pub uh, from the from the little place we were running it at the Sea Scout Hall or whatever. And this young girl says to her older sister, I've I've just met with I've just met Jesus and I've got a Bible. You should too. Mm. And so you know, straight away, there's this young person, 13 year old, kind of evangelising in her own, you know, brand new, fresh sort of way. But some transaction had happened there. It's like the woman at the well. Yeah, you know, encounters Jesus, then goes yep. back and tells everyone, "I've met this man. You know, yeah. he's the Messiah. You know, come and come and meet him. You know." And mm-hmm. I love that kind of raw. Um, you first become a Christian kind of evangelism, where it's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I've got the best news. You know, mm-hmm. God." Christ has come in and he's changing my life and it's good news and I want to tell you about it. And mm-hmm. I think as we settle into maturity, um, in inverted commas for those that are listening, mm. um, sometimes we just, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. And we think, oh, well, I'm too mature now. I'm just growing in my faith. But I think that real zeal and passion to keep sharing the good news. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did send you a question about, you know, how the good news is still good news in a post-Christendom world. And I mm-hmm. think 
you just touched on it. It's mm. just it's relevant to mm. every person, no matter what they're going through, whether they come from the best family in the world, the most difficult circumstances, whether they were raised in a pub. You know, the good news of Jesus um, is eternally relevant. It, it reaches into all those nooks and crannies and mm. is good news in different ways at different times to different people. Yep. And so, yeah, that's where the listening's important. It is. And, and I, I, I think, and this is where I, I do get, passionate about not discounting any particular method of how we're going to share the gospel because whilst some of the things that we did up in Bort were not it's not rocket science and you know what and it probably is a bit corny and a bit daggy and did, are we doing the the are we culturally relevant in the way we're presenting the gospel I don't know I, I don't know all I know is that we fumbled around and we had a crack at it mm. and God's spirit took something out of that and and did something in this girl's heart mm-hmm. and that's all i think we need to be, to do is be obedient yeah get out there do something mm-hmm. you know tr- get trained do all the right things but how many times do you hear of god using the person that fumbles around doesn't know what they're doing mm-hmm. more than the so-called professional yeah Absolutely. You know, so, well, the Bible's full of it, isn't it? Yep. People that stuttered, people that weren't good in front of people, people that had made mistakes, and yet yep. God takes these imperfect, you know, broken in many ways, these people, and he actually uses very ordinary people mm. to do extraordinary things. And we call them heroes of the faith now when we mm-hmm. read about them. Mm-hmm. When you actually look at their stories, yeah, they they're no more a hero than we are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're the same sort of muck-ups that we are at times, mm-hmm. and yet if God used them, mm. um, God can use us. Yeah. And it might be in a beach town or at a regional area sharing your story with a bunch of kids that walk in and mm. and you know I just I love this conversation because I can see in your eyes Owen the passion mm. and you know that kind of come alive when you talk about this yep. this raw connection with people this good news that is is radically good news to all mm. people mm-hmm. every country every context on earth and um, and I love the fact that you love young people coming into that mm. to get that experience that will form them um, in their faith. And I, and I think I'd go as far to say that coffee shop missions, um, I don't know whether I'd still be a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. um, if I hadn't done some of those things mm-hmm. where my faith actually went from my parents' faith to become something that was very tangible and very real. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. But if I never did coffee shop mission, I don't know where I'd be in my faith. Mm-hmm. Would I still be in the same place? Well, by God's grace, maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe not because those are the moments that really cemented my faith. And I said, no, this is real. Mm-hmm. Like, my parents taught me all this, but, but I actually believe this for myself because I've seen God move yep. in this context. So um, so really excited about mm. the work of Youth Dimension. Um, so good having you back there, mate. I think you're going to be yeah, a It's, it's a funny, funny feeling to yep. be back, but in a really good way. And it's people who are in their mid-40s now who have had experiences like you've had they're the ones that are saying to me, oh, great, you're back, because my kids are now entering the stage in the next mm. three or four years yep. of being able to have that that thing that I had. Mm. And they're really, really pleased about it, yep. you know. And that's not to say that good things haven't been happening. Of course, SU didn't, you know, didn't go anywhere. You mm. know, they've been doing, continue to do beach missions and red frogs, and emerged, and re, re, red frogs emerged and are bigger and better than ever. So God's been moving in this space, mm. but it is exciting to have the, the unique flavour of what YD brings back into the mix again. And yep. I think that that's really great for, for those who want to join and find out what that's like. 
Yeah, mm. absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, Owen, for mm. um, being a return guest and talking yeah, a bit well, about... thanks so much for having me. Yeah, evangelism, Blue Moose. And if you want to know more about it, you can jump on Google and look up Youth Dimension and yep. jump on their website. All the information's there. But if you're a church leader watching this, if you're a young person watching this, I think this is a really formative thing you can get involved in and, and start to have the impact that God's calling us to have, um, mm. both at home and, and abroad as well. So um, thank you, Owen. Really appreciate mm, it, mate. And we'll have yeah. a chat again some other time. But... Um, for all those watching, thanks so much for tuning in today. And I hope you've been inspired as we talk about evangelism and what that can look like. And, and I hope you can take what you've heard today and actually bring some of this into your own context for the sake of, I guess, the kingdom of God continuing to expand and grow. And so if you watch this on YouTube, please um, leave a review. Uh, make sure you like it. And if you're listening on the Apple podcast, if you can give us a five-star review and um, make some comments, pass it on to people you know, it really gives us an opportunity to get some really helpful content like today out into people's hands so that they can learn and grow as well. Well, hope you go well until the next broadcast of the As One Leadership Podcast and we'll talk again soon.